produced by Podcast Architects. You're listening to the Lead On Podcast, where we discuss experiences in the armed forces while exploring lessons from military leaders. Welcome to another edition of Lead On Lessons for Military Leaders. I'm David Deary with the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. In this podcast, we like to explore different leadership lessons from those that served in the military or have a direct relationship with in the military. And joining me today is Laura McKenna, an Army. Uh, well, you didn't retire. You're an Army veteran. Mm-hmm. So, Laura, good morning. How are you? I'm excellent, David. How are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for thank you for being here today. Um, I understand. I think you're in in the Arizona area, not not here in California. Although we're on the same time zone for about another week. And, yes. And yeah. Another happy. few days. Yeah. Yeah. Another few days. So, Laura, thanks thanks for joining us today. Um, if you would just kind of share a little bit about who you are and a little of your uh, military background. For sure. Yeah. And thank you so much for asking me to be part of um, your podcast. I'm really excited to be here. So I am a West Point graduate. I graduated from West Point in 2001, uh, commissioned as a military police officer. And then a few years later, branch transferred into aviation. I flew Black Hawk helicopters for a little bit. And then uh, the Army sent me to grad school so that I had a degree that I could use to go back and teach at West Point. And that is where I concluded my military career. So I deployed to Afghanistan. I am an Afghanistan veteran. um, And I finished up my career teaching at West Point. Oh, very good. Uh, And and I think when we talked uh, last, uh, you did about 13 years uh, before you transitioned out. So um, before we start getting into more of the deep dive in the conversation, I always like to ask our guests just to kind of kick things off. Um, You know, people are always offering us advice, uh, rarely when we ask for it, just when they think we need to hear it. So what's the worst piece of leadership advice somebody ever gave Laura? Could have been before the military, during, even after. I I love this question. Um, I actually have two, uh, and they're both pretty awful. Um, The first one is don't get fat. um, And the other one is just be less you. So I'm going to just briefly describe both of them. So when I went into cadet basic training, also known as Beast Barracks, I gained three pounds. So when I entered West Point, I weighed 115 pounds. And at the end of Beast Barracks, I weighed 118 pounds. And my squad leader pulled me aside and said, hey, listen, you gained three pounds. You don't want to get fat. So you need to be really careful about making sure that you don't get fat because it really presents the wrong image um, as a military officer, completely neglecting the fact that I was pretty teeny tiny, completely neglecting the fact that that could have been three pounds of muscle, um, given how many more push-ups and pull-ups I could do at the end of basic, which is the idea, um, than I could when I had arrived. Um, And then also completely ignoring the fact that a woman who is menstruating, when I was 17 at the time, um, a woman who is menstruating between day seven and day 21 of her menstrual cycle in a normal month can gain three to five pounds with there being no change um, to her lean body mass or percentage of body fat. So we completely you know, ignored all of those things. And I got the advice, like, just don't get fat because it looks bad. Um, 
which I think was really interesting and, you know, and leads me into um, the next one of like, just be less you. So I was finishing up my second summer of field training. Um, and my squad leader was, was giving me, you know, my end of training counseling. And he actually said, he said, I, I think men just don't understand women. Uh, and he said, I, I just, you know, you're really motivated. You get along really well with everybody in the squad. Like you did really great, but I just feel like you need to be less you. And so he gave me a really low grade just because I needed to be less me. And in hindsight, it reminded me of um, if you've ever seen How to Train Your Dragon, I know it's a, a little bit of a, a throwback and, and it's animated. So, um, you know, I, I really enjoy my like animated classics having been a mom. Um, but there's a scene where, it, you know, Hiccup, who's the main character, is saying like, you know, he just doesn't get me. He doesn't like me. And his mentor says to him, like, essentially just be less you. Uh, and the hiccup says, well, you just gestured to all of me. And he said, yes, stop being all of you. Uh, and that really was um, sort of what I received from those early, you know, leadership lessons is that success looked a certain way and, and I didn't have that look. Um, I think what I observed over the course of my military career is that many women were successful, myself included, because we tried to be as much like our male counterparts as possible. So there's no room for, you can be feminine and pretty and also be an effective leader, or you can have a naturally cheerful and bubbly personality and also be mentally tough, physically strong, and an effective leader. Um, and so those are some, some just terrible pieces of leadership advice. Yeah, you know, I... I guess to, to tell somebody to be less of who they are, where you're supposed to be more of the person telling you to be less. And, and I, I think what, so. What makes, yeah. And what makes that person the standard, you know, it's a, just cause they may have reached a higher pay grade. doesn't mean, listen, we write our own evaluations in the military. And if you write something well enough, uh, chances are you're going to get yourself promoted, even if you may not deserve it. That's the, and that's, and listen, I'm generalizing, and that's probably a very low percentage of people out there. Um, 99% get those promotions and deserve it. But we're all probably guilty of offering some for, some, some stupid advice that uh, sounds good in our head, uh, but that just doesn't translate well. Um, so, you know, um, have you ever, you know, it's just interesting, be, be less you. Have you ever encountered that with anybody else? It's, you know, as, as you shared that or thought about that over over the years, did you ever encounter other people that were either told to be, you know, nowadays we talk about be your authentic self, which is the complete opposite. Okay. Um, so if anything, it's like, come out of your shell, be more of who you are. Don't try to, you know, as leaders, I think it's great to, to have our positive leadership qualities uh, be mirrored. Um, but I don't want another Laura McKenna or David Deary walking around either. Maybe if, if we did something that positively impacted you as a leader, fine, but uh, be your own person. Uh, but did you encounter anybody else that, that felt that they had to be somebody that they weren't or they, they aren't? My, you know, I do think so. And um, with the women that I work with today, that is actually a recurring theme, that there's this concept of what right looks like and... Um, it doesn't look like me that, you know, there's this ongoing battle between what I'm supposed to be and who I actually am. 
So we need to make that leader archetype bigger. There needs to be room for um, effectiveness that does not force me or expect me um, to be less of who I am. Um, it, you know, I think a lot of women that I work with have also been influenced by or impacted by the concept of perception as reality. And I think we heard that a lot in, in the military, that if someone perceives you to be weak because of X, Y, Z, that's what you actually are. Um, or some of the other things that affected women in the military, like if you were just, if you were eyeliner or, you know, you just were pretty, um, that meant certain things about how you engaged in your personal life. And so we carry those concepts with us. I think we are shaped our inner subconscious beliefs that create the outcomes in our life are shaped uh, by those beliefs. Um, and I, I think that's certainly one of them. And I, and I interact with women all of the time who feel like they were told what they were supposed to be and they internalized what they were supposed to be. And they are now in conflict between who they really are and what they really want for their lives and for themselves and for their relationships um, versus what they're you know, supposed to be doing. And it leads to burnout. It leads to existential angst. It leads to relational issues. It leads to overwhelm and exhaustion and over-obligation and things that really keep us from making the positive impact that we were put on earth to make as leaders and not just leaders of organizations, but leaders of ourselves, leaders of our lives, leaders in our family lives. Um, I, I think that it's possible to make an impact and also love your life. And I think that living in alignment with who you really are um, is really the path to doing that. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited uh, here in a few minutes to hear more about your engagement with these, uh, with other women and the impact that you're making in their lives. But before we do that, I, I do want to uh, cover a little bit more of who you are. And, and I want to comment on this, you know, perception is reality. And I never like that because who's just, you know, it's like people say, what's well, just common sense? Well, you know, what's common where I grew up in San Diego may not be common uh, out in Kentucky, right? And so my reality, my, this re my perception of reality doesn't mean that the reality is it's an accurate perception. You know, it's like, uh, you know, when people say, well, he or she shouldn't have acted that way or dressed that way. And that's why something negative happened to them. No, it uh, doesn't matter how you dress or act. Something bad should not happen to you uh, using that as an excuse, right? Um, yeah, it, reality it just, is reality. Perception exactly. is based on what other people think and believe and, and the lens through which they are looking over which I have no control. And so what you're describing is this constant anxiety around trying to control what other people think instead of just being and doing, you know, and executing um, and leading um, when you're so focused on, well, I've got to do this so that someone else will think this we really lose the essence of our focus and, and our focus on the right things. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You, you know, and I just think, you know, something that a few years ago as the pandemic, um, maybe even before the pandemic started actually, but uh, in our leadership classes, uh, both the Foundry and the LPO Academy workshop, uh, we bring in a, a, a mental health uh, person 
Um, and, and that was by recommendation of a, of a former mentor in one of our classes. And, and I'll tell you, that has been so, it, it's, it's been so engaging, so helpful to bring more awareness and attention. And I'm one of those uh, people that for years, uh, because I didn't, uh, my perception, because of my reality, I didn't understand mental health. So I did not really give it its fair due diligence, if you will, because, you know, I, this is what I think it is. So therefore, that's what it is. Uh, it's so wrong, you know, and, and, and I've learned so much and then I've, I've changed because I've, I just had to realize that that's, that's a false reality. So, you know, I think that oftentimes when we place our perceptions of reality on a, impose that on other people, it's because we don't understand it ourselves. It's like the, the person that yells at the kid in the supermarket that's acting up, they're yelling because they're more embarrassed at what the kid is, the child is doing, which is acting like the child that they are. But instead of just, you know, I, I was walking through a Walmart, uh, over the weekend, some guy had this kid over his shoulder, walking, the kid's all upset. Dad's just shaking his head and walking because the kid wasn't getting what he wanted. And that's okay. Dad wasn't embarrassed. He wasn't yelling. He just said, just remove. It is what it is. So, um, but listen, so you're a mom and you're, you're a soldier, although not currently serving, but soldier and a mom. Um, what was some of the angst that maybe a lot of joys, but we talked about a certain perception uh, that kind of came with that and how that was looked. Why don't you share that with us? Yeah, for sure. Um, certainly being a young mom uh, and being a mom throughout my whole career um, impacted every aspect of my life. Um, I felt uh, sort of always pulled in different directions. I felt like in every aspect of my life, I was failing someone or I was failing in some way. Um, and certainly I was failing at who I really wanted to be because of those seemingly competing obligations. Um, and so, you know, I just I had some challenging experiences and this also is part of that, um, you know, the ampersand or the, the concept of and that I really live my life by now is I wish I had known then that I didn't have to necessarily choose between being a really good mom and being a really good army officer that's how I felt. Um, and it was really stressful. I mean, things like, uh, you know, when I was in flight school, I was there with a four-year-old, um, and I had just had my daughter. And so I was breastfeeding. And so, you know, at the flight line, I was bringing my flight bag and my breast pump and it was complicated logistically uh, to just to have to plan for all of these aspects of both my personal and my professional life. And, and I just think that's a great example. You know, I tell the story of having to pump before I would go fly, but there were no arrangements, uh, you know, for moms. Um, you know, it's a, a Vietnam era uh, flight line bathroom. Uh, you know, there, are, there weren't even plugs at like a normal level. Like they were all on the floor. So I had to sit on the floor, um, you know, to pump before I could go out to the flight line. So even things just like the logistics of managing my life, um, it was really very stressful. Um, it was really very complicated. And I learned to rely very heavily on uh, the help of friends and family. I mean, my parents are really the rock stars of my career. I used to call them my moving fairies because when I would arrive to a new duty station and have to go immediately to work, my parents, either both of them or just my mom, uh, would come and, you know, help me with moving in so that I could get quickly moved in um, and then, you know, really be able to focus on helping the kids get settled. 
um, and then, you know, settling into uh, the new job that I had just arrived to do. So absolutely being a mom in the army significantly impacted, um, my entire approach to my career and my entire experience of my career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, even my time in the, uh, the Navy, <clears throat> both the, you, know, whether it's a, a single parent, mm -hmm. um, which there's, there's plenty of, and, and God bless the single parents, how, how they, you know, even, you know, people sometimes say, you know, a six month deployment isn't just six months. It's, it's more like 12 months because of all the months before for the workups and everything, right? Yes. And all the uh, training to get ready for the deployment, for sure. Right. And, and I can remember, I can remember we did a, a command survey once and, uh, the larger command I was at and we used to, uh, we used to have everybody, you know, check in on the ship at six 30 in the morning. That's when, uh, Liberty expiration. And we always had about 40 people on average out of a thousand people late every day. And so in the command survey, it came out that a lot of people uh, define a lot, but uh, there was comments that could we change the Liberty expiration because it's really hard, uh, whether it's a single parent or dual family, uh, uh, dual working family um, to get the kids in daycare and then get on the base and park and get on. And I'm like, you know what? I'm so glad. And so the COX and I said, this is an easy fix. So we just shifted Liberty Exploration to seven in the morning. Uh, we didn't change the time we end the workday because we honestly left at the end of the workday. We left that up to each individual chain of command. When your work is done, you send the people home. Uh, we didn't feel like we needed to manage that. But what's interesting is the heat we got from those that don't understand it. And it's like, but we went from about 40 people average a day being late to less than five. Yeah. Just like that. Yeah. And, and it was because you, know, you took a reasonable approach right. to creating an environment that was best for what your people needed. And that isn't weakness. It's not, you know, you're not giving in to people who are sniveling or whining and complaining. They don't need to suck it up, buttercup. They have daycare hours that they have to stick to. Um, you know, they're not, they're not any lesser as professionals. Uh, so I, I really acknowledge you for acknowledging that um, because it really, it's a, it's a huge difference when you're trying to drop kids off at, at daycare. I can distinctly remember, I mean, I think the first, you know, definitely the first year and then, you know, the first like, um, you know, several years later, then a year of never not having some manner of baby spit or baby vomit on. So I had to keep like an extra... BDU blouse, um, to, you know, to like change out because I, and I remember one day coming up to formation, having dropped my son off at daycare and he had thrown up on me and I didn't have time because he had thrown up on me to relate, you know, getting him to daycare. And my gosh, I had an amazing daycare provider. I still adore Miss Linda, um, just an amazing human being and, and a wonderful family. Um, but I didn't have time to change. So there I am. I'm a platoon leader in the front of the formation with baby vomit all down here. And David, I have to tell you, I, the, I got so many comments on both sides. Some that were, you know, that's really unprofessional and you need to, you need, you need to tighten up your stuff LT. But then I also got probably more comments that 
that's really encouraging to us to see that you're real and you have a real life. And it actually made it possible for me to relate to the people that I was responsible for uh, in a much more practical and meaningful way than if I had not ever had the experience of showing up to formation with baby vomit on my, on my shoulder. Um, you know, it's, it's part of humanity. There are humans in your formation and we have to make allowance for their humanity. And there's that ampersand again, they can be mentally tough, physically strong, incredibly capable, operating with excellence, and also human beings with real lives and actual families and, and real needs that don't take away from that first set of descriptors. You know, you can be an amazingly competent professional and also be a human. Yeah, you know, connecting with people, it's, it's incredible when we think about this idea of connecting. John Maxwell, I teach a book called Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. Yeah. Uh, because, it, and you communicate it through that. Not that that was your druthers, right? You didn't want to have that, but that's just the reality of life. Um, but how that incident or incident connected you with other people and me, and really what's so, what I find so important, especially as the senior person, you know, the struggle is always being able to connect with those junior folk, right? Let them see that, listen, I'm not your mom, your dad. I make more money than you. I have a position of authority, but I still want to get to know you. I want to, we're in this together. We, we, we all are, are, are signed up to give our lives for our country. So we have that, that common bond. And those little opportunities that we have to show our humanity. Um, and and that's, that's something that it's specifically in our foundry class that we drill home in the week that we have our, our students and our mentors is uh, as the leader it's incumbent upon you uh, to humble yourself first to connect with those below you. That doesn't mean you're fraternizing. doesn't mean you're taking them out to, to the bar for drinks. But it's just letting them into your world because otherwise, you know, listen, they're going to give you the surface level stuff of what's going on. But you won't get down to the heart of the issues till actually they're, they're so deep into it when they finally come to you that it's almost too late to help them. But if you establish those relationships, then maybe that trust They'll, they'll have a little bit of confidence. They'll be scared, but they're like, hey, let me go talk to the LT. You know, she may understand. And wow. And it because, because your kid threw up on your blouse. Right. Right. <laughs> on the regular, actually. <laughs> um, that was like a normal thing. He wasn't like colicky. He wasn't like a vomity baby, but there was like never not spit on my shoulder. And I think, David, what you're talking about there is another leadership and, and, and the leadership lesson, things we need from leaders is that it's possible to be hard on someone and also to care about them as human beings. And in fact, I think they're, they're actually intimately connected that we are hard on people and we expect the best from them and we want the best for them because we care about them. Um, and, and we really see them as human beings with tremendous potential. Spoken like a good parent. Oh, and that's a good, <laughs> that, that's a good point to pause. Cause, uh, this is this is going on for a while, and I, and, and we haven't even uh, talked about uh, your uh, strength and shield coaching. Um, so um, we're just going to transition here. I'm going to I'm going to uh, have you back on. We're going to schedule another time with you, okay? Um, because uh, we'll come back for the next episode, 
uh, and we'll, we'll do a second half if that's okay with you. That's perfect. This has been so great. I have loved talking with you and I would be absolutely thrilled um, to, to continue the discussion. This has been very fun and really spot on. I applaud you yes. for talking about leadership. Um, oh. It's an important discussion. No, I appreciate it. So again, you've been listening to Laura McKenna, uh, an Army veteran, and I'm David Deary with the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. This has been another edition of Lead On, Lessons from Military Leaders. So please join us next week when you're going to hear part two of my conversation with Laura McKenna.